This is Victory House. Michael's Conference 2020. For your glory. It's a wonderful day to be in God's presence because nothing can be compared to his presence. There is nothing like the presence of the Lord. Some people always tell me that, well, if I can't come to church, can I not watch online? I said, well, you can. Why not? Technology has made it very easy for us to be able to watch online, order food online, marry online, you know, even have children online and all of those things. But it's always better to be in his presence and to be in the place where he has put his name to be in the presence of the Lord because that is where you get the fullness. Any other thing you get is less than the fullness. You know, God always wants his people to gather uh, the word church is from the Greek word ecclesia. But the word church is from the Hebrew word kahal Jehovah. And what that simply means is the gathering of his people. So when you talk about church, is a gathering. Not that you are watching somebody online. That's not church. I know there's a church in the air. But those are the dead in Christ. They are, they are up there. But not that you are living and you are at home and you are healthy, you are not self-isolating. <laughs> so it's always good to come into God's presence. I mean, when um, is it minister to you, he said there was no fellowship on Wednesday. I said to myself, ah, that's not something to be happy about. The God, we are good together. You know, God said the solitary in families. When we gather with God's people, the atmosphere is different. The blessing is different. And so, don't rejoice that there is no fellowship. I thought you were going to say, let's have one. We are not tired. Since you don't have to, you can walk from home So You are not going to be worn out. But I know many of you, you are still going through a process of growth. And the way you are growing, the way a child sees something is not the way a mature person sees something. First Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I speak like a child, I thought like a child, I understood like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Ephesians 4, 14 says that we no longer be children, tossed to and fro. You know, when you watch the news, instead of reading your Bible, you are full of fear instead of faith. When I was watching the news this morning <laughs> and they were saying oh, they were making reports from all over. You know, and the, the media has a way in which they amplify something. As well as here, they keep repeating the same thing. And you begin to ask yourself, is it that they want me to have faith in what they are saying? If that is it, then I have something else here that can help my faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing, if all you do during this period is just read Psalm 91 again and again and again, your faith will be built up. So while you are listening to the bad news, you counteract it with the good news. 
the good news of Jesus Christ. There used to be a man known as Petrus Watts. Whenever you go to his house, he will never allow you to bring in a newspaper. He will never allow you to bring in a newspaper or a radio or anything. He says they carry bad news. So he will tell you, put the newspaper out there in the porch, then you can come in. And when you come in, he will open the Bible and read one promise of God to you. This man lived in a town known as Bradford in an area in the United Kingdom known as Yorkshire. He was a believer in the good news. So I bring you good news this morning. Can I have an amen? amen. Yesterday was really a very demanding time. My voice is husky, but unclear. Don't worry, it will clear. It always clears. You know, I feel a little bit tired too, but it's okay. I know God gives power to the faith. Ask your neighbor, where is that in the Bible? Oh, yeah, ask your neighbor now and tell him or her. He giveth power to the faith. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Ask your neighbor now. Huh? Oh, yeah, tell him. Tell him. If they don't know, he say, ah, ah, ah. It seems everybody is saying to everybody. Isaiah 40, verse 29. You'll find it also in Psalm, where the Bible says in Psalm 68, verse 35, God will give strength and power to his people. And Psalm 29, verse 11. So you need to know the Bible. This is the kind of time you use the Bible as medicine. You know, it's good to use hand sanitizer, but the word of God also cleanses. Ephesians 5.28 says, Washing the church by the water of the world, that he may present the church to himself as a glorious church, having no spot or blemish or any of those things. Jesus said, You are clean. John 15.3, By the words that I have spoken to you. So when you hear the word of God, it has a way of cleansing. Coming to church, let the word that is spoken today cleanse you. When I came, mommy pastor here was praying powerfully and was leading us to say the right things. Tell your neighbor, be careful what you say with your mouth and stop looking at me coronally. You know, nowadays you can't even cough anymore. I was in the lift in the hotel. I was eating cola nut and a little bit of it went down my trachea and I coughed. The man looked at me and <laughs> I told him, I said, you have nothing to fear. I said, the people that will infect other people with anything will not even cough. So look at your neighbor and say, stop looking at me coronally. Because you will sneeze down. You will say, ah! <laughs> the Lord is a shield. His banner over us is love. He will keep you continually. He will preserve your going and your coming. In the name of Jesus, what happened to the inhabitants of the land shall not happen to you. You are safe in the secret place of the Most High. You abide under the shadows of the Almighty. A thousand will fall on your right. Ten thousand will fall on your left. But your eyes will see them, but it will not happen to you. You only hear that it's happening to them, but not to you. Because the Lord has hidden you in the hollow of his hands. One reason why you come to church is that the church is a refuge. Psalm 27 verse 4. 
One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. In the time of trouble, what will he do? He will hide me. Look at your neighbor and say, I am hidden. I am in Christ. Christ is in God. And God is perfecting what concerns me. I will not fail. I will not fall. I will not be diseased. You know the meaning of disease? It means to not be at ease. Dis-ease. That's the meaning. It's an English word. When you are at ease, it means you are well. But when you are diseased, it means that you are sick. Look at your neighbor and say, none of the inhabitants shall say. None of the inhabitants of Zion shall say, I am sick. Ask your neighbor, where is that in the Bible? Hmm. Did he get it? Did she get it? Tell him to open to Isaiah 33 verse 24. Isaiah 33. Ask him how many chapters are in the book of Isaiah. There is a whole lot of Bible stories this morning. How many chapters? Have you seen Isaiah 33? And the inhabitants will not say, I am sick. Let's say it like this. No member of Victory House will say, I am sick. Again, no member of Victory House will say, no member of my family will say, I'm sick. Again, no person that is close to me will say, I am sick. You see, whatever they say on TV, and if you feel unwell, I say, no. Isaiah 3.10 says, say to the righteous, open to Isaiah 3.10. Uh-huh. Bible study now. Have you opened to Isaiah 3.10? What does he say? Say to the righteous, it shall be well with them. Now point at somebody. Ask you, I say, are you righteous? Because this thing will not work for you. If you are not. <laughs> no, say to the righteous, he say, it shall be well with you. Say, it shall be well with you. Close your eyes and say, it shall be well with you. Look around and say, it shall be well with you. Say, it shall be well with us. In the name of Jesus. God has given his angels charge over you. To keep you in all your ways. And they shall bear you up in their hands. Lest at any time. You dash your foot against the stone. He preserve your going. And preserve your coming. The angel of the Lord encamp. Psalm 34 verse 7. Encamp. We mean they are there. They are camp. During this period the angels are very busy. You can activate their presence. You see, one thing people don't know is that the Holy Spirit is the one who is in charge of the angels of heaven. So when you walk with the Holy Spirit, you can always say, Holy Spirit, send your angels to encamp around me. So that no matter what is happening, it will not come near my dwelling place. When I see the blood, God said to the Israelites, I will pass over. Say this, the blood of Jesus it's all over my life, all over my family's life, all over my house, 
all over the place where I walk. And so when the devil sees that blood, he can't cross it. In Jesus' name. As your neighbor said, do you feel better now? Okay. When I sneezed yesterday and the man was looking at me, coronally, I told him, I said, you need what I have. He was looking at me. I say, these kind of times, you need what I have. He was looking at me. He said, what do you have? I said, I am dwelling in Christ and Christ in God. And I said, God, I've never been sick. For you to get to me, you get to God first. And then get to Christ. And get to me because I am in him. I am in him. Who is the head of all principalities and powers? The man said, well, I go to church, but this in Christ and in God, I don't understand. I said, this is advanced Bible study. I said, let me pray with you so that this thing will not happen to you. I pray. Do you know that people will get saved quickly now? Because there's this fear, if it catches you, it kills you. You see, people talk about the number of people that have been killed. They don't talk about the people who have been healed. They tell you how many people died. But they don't think about how many people had it and have since been well. Because the world is negatively skewed. It's only the negative that they hammer on. Everybody is sending COVID, COVID-19, COVID-19. Send the scripture to them. I say, he that keepeth you. Zechariah chapter 2 verse 5. He said, I shall be a wall of fire round about you and the glory in the midst of you. So you have double protection. Greater is he that is in you than there is a wall of fire round about you. In all the diseases that have gone around all over the world, I have never caught one. Because you need to catch it to have it. Look at your neighbor say, you need to catch it to have it. To resist the devil. The same way you resist Satan is the same way you resist disease. Resist the devil. And you do what? Flee. Flee. You have survived many things before now. The Lord who kept you then will make you survive. You are a survivor. You are not a victim. In the name of Jesus. Look at your devil and say, it is well with your soul. Say it again. Say, it is well with your soul. Say, it is well with your soul. I want to appreciate Pastor Emmanuel and his dear wife, Pastor Mrs. Tokwe. I was to look, you know, I know so many pastors' wife. So I know she's Tokwe Adewale. Thank you very much for hosting this conference. I want to appreciate the choir too. Because I know choir, you have to practice, you have to rehearse. You know. The only department my daughter joined when she was at home, she joined the choir. And at times when they sing very badly, you know at times it's not every day you sing well, you know that. So I said, why did you sing badly? <laughs> he said that if you know how many times you practice to sing that poorly, he said, instead of criticizing us, you'll be praying for us. <laughs> they have three practices a week. They practice on Tuesdays, they practice on Saturdays, and on Sunday morning, they practice. 
He said, if we, he said, look, sir, if you know how many times we he said, just be praying. So whatever you sing poorly, we'll pray for you. But we want to thank you for your sacrifice, your labor of love. I want to appreciate the protocol team for a job well done. Your people have a lot of energy. And the Bible says the glory of the young men is their strength. Ask your neighbor, where is that in the Bible? The glory of the young men is their strength. Do you know where it is? Oh, somebody says, yeah, who? Over to Proverbs 10, 29. I'll read. Oh, yeah. Put it up there. The number of scriptures I've given you for free, you should pay for it. Church to it now. Proverbs 10, 29. The person on the console is asleep. Okay. Uh-huh. 10, 1029. The glory of the young man is just strength. Look at 2029. Is it? No. Look at 2029. Uh-huh. My software needs to be updated. <laughs> you know at times those software need to be, you know. <laughs> it said the glory of the young men is that and the splendor of old men is their gray hair. So stop dyeing your hair. You know some people when, when their hair becomes gray they dye it, they dye it. Me, I don't dye it. I leave it to you. See, when you go, grow old gracefully it's a beautiful thing. You know and I want you to take that to heart. The re, what we know young men for is strength. Shuko here a bachelor. Very strong. I don't know whether the drummer is single. If you are single at this age, please, we have to anoint you with oil after the service. But he was also very, very actively involved. And then there was a third person, the person who drives. Where is that? He's a very good protocol man. He's always on the steering. You don't have to look. You know, there are some people you look for him. Say, so where is he now? Thank God also for him. The media team, thank you very much. You know, thank you for your various contribution. Now, you'll understand the reason why I've done that when I begin to preach. Open your Bible to Psalm 16. I mean, Matthew 16. Ah, my software needs updating all. I want to quote Matthew. I'm quoting Psalm. Psalm 16. Ah, <laughs> okay, Matthew 16. I'm reading from verse 18 only. This is Jesus speaking. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. By the grace of God today, I will be preaching on the subject how you can help your church to grow. How you can help your church to grow. One of the things that bring glory to God is when there is growth 
It brings glory to God when a church grows. And so, I want you to see how you can help your church to experience that growth that is for his glory. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity you've given us to come into your presence with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. Thank you for everything and all things that have been done in this NICOS conference. Thank you for Thursday, where you encourage us to finish what we started. Thank you for Friday, where you encourage us to expect you, O oh Lord, to bless us unusually. Thank you, Lord, for today. Anoint me to share your word the way you want them to receive it. Anoint their ears to be listening, their minds to be open, and their spirits to be receptive. Let it be, O oh Lord, that each and everyone hearing me, either in this hall or online, will be a doer and not just a hearer only. We give you the glory and praise, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As a believer, there are many ways we are connected to God. There are many ways we are connected to God as a believer. No matter how long you've been saved, no matter what part of the world you are, no matter who you are, whatever your experiences are in life, we are connected to God in various ways. Number one, we have a relationship with God. That is the first thing. What does the word relationship mean? It simply means how someone is associated with another person. We have a relationship with God. He is our father. We are his children. He is our creator. We are his creature. He is our God. We are his people. We have a relationship with God. Jesus taught the people in Matthew 6, 9. He said, after this manner, therefore pray you, our father. He didn't say my father. He said our including himself. So we have a relationship with God. Luke 6.36 says, Be ye therefore merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. When Jesus finished his assignment and was going to God, going back to God, in John 20.17, he told Mary Magdalene, I go to my father and your father to my God and your God. So the first thing you need to know is, as a people, we have a relationship with God. You are not just an infinitesimal little speck of dust that happened to occur. You are connected to God in a relationship. If people ask you, do you have a relationship? Some people think the word relationship only means with the opposite sex. No. As we are all here, we have a relationship with one another. Why? We are part of the same family. The Victory House family. You are a family. Psalm 68 verse 6. He said, God set the solitary 
in families. So this is the family. There's a song we sing that says, I love this family of God. So you and I have a relationship with God. Number two is that you and I need to understand we are not just in a relationship with God, but we have a fellowship with God. What's the meaning of the word fellowship? The word fellowship means that which people in a relationship share. Husband and wife have a relationship, but they have fellowship. Pastor and members have a relationship, but it is through fellowship that you make it strong. What makes a relationship strong is fellowship. If your relationship with God will be strong, you need to come for fellowship. And you need to have fellowship on your own. There are three kinds of fellowship. Number one, the fellowship you have with God as a person. Number two, the fellowship we have with other believers. And then number three, the fellowship that we all have like this, where we fellowship with God collectively. So fellowship is important. In fellowship, what we do is that we share. We communicate. The word fellowship actually is the word intercourse. Which means something when you send something and you receive something. That is what happens in a fellowship. You are sending and you are receiving. You are sharing and you are a partaker. You are pouring into somebody and others are also pouring into you. That is what fellowship means. But you see, relationship is not enough. And that is why there is fellowship. But fellowship also is not enough. That is why there is a third one. And that is partnership. We do not just have a relationship with God. We do not just have fellowship with God. But we are also required to see ourselves as partners with God. A partner is somebody who shares out of the effort to produce a particular result. Jesus came here and told us about the partnership between him and God the Father. John 5, 17. He said, my father walked he that oh, and I walk. So we have a partnership too. Every child of God must be very conscious of one fact. You are not just a consumer. You are also a producer. You are not just here to receive God's blessings. You are also expected to be a blessing. Not just to human beings but to God. People don't understand that you can be a blessing to God. There are some people that God desires to keep alive because they are a blessing to him. I remember some years ago, I had a very near-death experience when some assassins came to my house, pointed a gun at me and took me away. 20th of June, 2002. After I came out of that experience, I asked God, I said, why did you save me? Why did you deliver me from such a thing? He said, because you're my partner. I gain more from keeping you alive than from having you come out to heaven. 
Some people are just conscious, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. If you want to go to heaven, there are very easy ways. Go and jump into a river. But you see, if God keeps you alive, it's because you have something to do. I shall not die, but live to declare the good works of God. So you are supposed to see yourself as a partner. A partner is not just someone who is a son of God, but is someone who serves God. Someone who is out to meet the need of God. Some people don't think God has a need. Oh, it was the need of God to share the gospel that made him save me. It was the need of God to have victory house that made him raise up Pastor Emmanuel and his team. So we are not just in a relationship with God. We don't just have fellowship with God. We are also partners. That must enter your mentality. You are a partner with God. 1 Corinthians 3, 8, 3, 9, he said we are co-laborers. 2 Corinthians 6, 1, he said we are workers together with God. We are workers together. When you are working with God, you are gathering. You are gathering with him. You are not scattering. So you and I are partners and let me say this to you today. If you have never realized it, or you have never been conscious of it, or you have never reminded yourself about it, God appreciates your partnership. God loves your partnership. And there is an area where God wants you to help him. And that is in growing this church. The growth of this church is not dependent on God only. It's not dependent on pastor. It's dependent on every one of us functioning according to the ability that we give, God has given us to make sure the church grows. To make sure the church grows. To make sure the church grows. Not a single person or a single family can be responsible for the growth of a church. It's not this building. That determines our growth. It's not our presence on social media. What determines the growth of a church and the state in which a church is is as to whether their, their members realize their responsibility in cooperating with God to ensure his church grows. I will say that, let me say a few things here. All through the Bible, God has always had a house. If you've read the Bible again and again, you see that God has always had a house. In Genesis chapter 3, the house of God was the Garden of Eden. That was where God lived in the upper part, and man was put in the lower part. So he come down in the cool of the day, and he had fellowship with the man that he had created. So God has always had a house. Beyond the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 6, you remember God chose a man by the name of Noah to build an ark. And between Genesis 6 and 9, you will see how God destroyed everything that was on the face of the earth. Everything 
every living thing, every breathing thing was destroyed because water covered the whole earth for 150 days. In the days of Noah, where was God's house? Inside the ark. Noah's ark became the house of God. Noah's ark became where God lived because the Bible says he shut the door. After everything had moved in, God shut the door. And there were only eight people inside the ark. Noah, his three sons, and their four wives. So in the days of Noah, the ark of God was the house of God. Let's move on. Eventually, you know, Abraham came, Isaac, Jacob, that the children of Israel multiplied. Genesis 20, 35, verse 11. They multiplied greatly. And Jacob had so many sons. And you know how the children of Israel relocated to Egypt. And how God visited them in Exodus chapter 3. And how he told them he was going to bring them out, Deuteronomy 6, 23, to bring them in and to give unto them a land of promise. The journey lasted for 40 years. The journey was supposed to be for 40 years. But because man did not partner with God properly, a journey of 14 days became a journey of 40 years. During the day when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, where was the house of God? The tabernacle that Moses was commanded to build, that was where the presence of God was. In Genesis 3, the presence was in the garden. In the days of Noah, his presence was inside the ark. In the days of the children of Israel, the presence of God was inside the tabernacle of congregation. God ordered Moses to build it so that God's presence would be among his people. Exodus 25 verse 9, Exodus 25 verse 40, Exodus 26 verse 30, Exodus 27 verse 8. And Moses completed the thing. You see it in Exodus 39, 32. And Exodus 40, 34. The glory of God came and filled the house of God. That became the house of God. Whenever people wanted to talk to God about anything, they have to go to the tabernacle of congregation. Tabernacle of, of tabernacle in the wilderness. They will pour out their heart, pour out their mind before him. So the tabernacle became the house of God. After 40 years, remember the story? The children of Israel got into the promised land. A land that flowed with bigger honey. And then God decided. He chose some places as where people can come to. Where they can encounter him. Where he can attend to them. The word of God now tells us, Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 5, Deuteronomy 14, 23, Deuteronomy 15, 20, Deuteronomy 16, verse 2, Deuteronomy 17, verse 8, Deuteronomy 18, verse 6. God chose some places where his eyes was upon, where his ears was also. So that anybody who wanted God to talk to God, to pour their heart before God, we'll have to go to the places. Minister, uh, 
Toya she read from Deuteronomy 16, 16. You discover that even the scripture there says, that is the place where God has put his eyes. That is the place where God has put his eyes. So, in the days of the children of Israel, in the promised land, those cities became the place that was the house of God. That was where they had the Passover. That was where they had the various feasts. So, God had a house and the other ones had a house. Then eventually, God was tired of changing from house to house. You know, even you as a person, you have been a tenant for so many years. And then all of a sudden, you say, look, I'm going to buy a house. But there comes a time when you live by the house of your dream. And that is the place where you want to remain. So God said to David that he wanted a house. David was going to build a house. But he was a man of war. He had killed so many people. And God said, look, I don't want you to build any house. I want your son to build a house for me. First Chronicles 28 verse 10. For the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. And Solomon built a house. It took him seven years to build that house. It was called the temple of God. After the house was built, Solomon prayed a prayer. First Kings chapter 8 verse 23. In that prayer he said, God, let this temple that I have built be a place where your eye is upon and where your ears are listening to what is said there. In such a way, oh Lord, that if anybody have a problem and they come here and pray, hear them. If anybody is being attacked by his enemies and needs help and they come here, oh Lord, hear them. He prayed that prayer. It was a nice prayer. And God said, well, I will. God answered him in 1 Kings chapter 9 verse 3. And God said, I've heard you. I've heard you. And so Solomon's temple was built. Now, Solomon's temple later was destroyed through war. And then Ezra was told to build. Ezra built. Zerubbabel built. So, God have always had a house. But eventually, when Jesus Christ came, he said, he said so many things, made so many promises. But the time and the day when he died, on the cross, John 19.30, he said he's finished. And we are told, according to Matthew 27.51, that the veil of the temple was rent into two from top to bottom. Let me use this place to describe how it is. Let's say this place is the Holy of Holies. This place is the holy place. And this place is the place where everybody was allowed to come into. The priests and the Levites were allowed to come into this place. But this place, which is the holies of holies, was a place where nobody was allowed to come into. 
That was where the Ark of Covenant was. That is the place where the presence of God was hidden. And it's separated by a veil. A veil. The veil was 40 feet long, 20 feet wide, and 4 inches thick. So nobody, except the high priest, once in a year, can enter into the holies of holies. And whenever he enters, a chain was tied around his leg. So that if he falls down and die here, because nobody can enter, they pull his dead body out. So that veil covered the place. In Matthew 27, 51, when the word came, it's finished. It was that veil that was ready to do. The holies of holies became a place of access. God changed house. And that was the day he moved into our body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. So you and I became the house of God. Look at the transition from the garden to the ark to the tabernacle to the, to the cities to the temple and now to our bodies. So our body became the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16 1 Corinthians 6.19 2 Corinthians 6.16 says our body is the temple of God. So we have become the house of God. But let me now tell you this. Because no longer is the house of God something someone built. The house of God has become has been in our body. So wherever we gather together in his name that place becomes his house that is why we say this place victory house jesus house victory temple rama chapel those are god's houses why because people gather together that is why there is a difference between sitting in front of a computer on iPad and watching instead of coming to church. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 25, forsake not the assembling together. You see, technology does not nullify the word. Forsake not the assembling together of one another as the man of some is. Let nothing substitute to church attendance because it's the house of God. Your house is not God's house. Your place of work is not God's house. But wherever children of God gather together in his name, the gathering in your house is not in his name. It's in the name of marriage. Husband and wife are living together in the name of what? Marriage. Not to fellowship. But wherever people who are children of God gather, that place becomes God's house because we are there. Let me say this. We can move out of this place. It becomes an ordinary building. But when we say this is the place where we are going to be gathering, it becomes God's house. I said something. I said, when we move out, we are not here. 
It's not God's house. It's just like any other building along the road. If people use hotels as place of worship, while they are worshiping there, that is God's house. If they move out, it's a hotel. Marriott. Residence Inn. Super Six. Whatever. <laughs> there is in. But when you gather together in a place, that place becomes God's house. I remember as a young pastor, three years into my pastorate, thieves came to our church in Nigeria. You know, some thieves are very wise. They know where you are not there is not anything, just like another building. It's like breaking into a store. So they broke into the church building. I call it church building, not church. Church is people. So they brought it to the church building, carried a keyboard, microphone, drum set. It was like they came there with an intention to pack everything. And so they took everything. So the next Sunday, here we are, worshiping. No microphone, nothing. And we told them that thieves came here. And so at the end of the service, a small boy, very concerned boy, he said, excuse me, I said, is this not God's house? I said, it is. He said, what was God looking at? When they were stealing from his house. I said, ah, no, that's not the way it is. I said, it is God's house when we gather. But it's like any other building where we are not there. So if we consecrate a place as a place where we meet, it has become God's house. It's a place to gather. Christianity is about gathering, not sitting in front of a laptop. When you cannot be in a place where you can gather, it's understood. But when you are, and you are substituted, sitting in front of a laptop to gathering, it means you don't know what God is, or who God is. John 4, 22. Jesus said, you worship, you don't know what you worship. People are worshiping, but they don't even know. You think tapping in online is the same thing as coming to God's house? No. You can't replace. You can't substitute. You can't exchange God's house with any other form of place of worship. God's house is the church. Church where we gather. Venue where we gather. The place where we come together. To mingle our voices in praise, in prayer, in worship, adoration, and to hear the word. That is God's house. It's always a gathering. That is God's house. And so in our generation, in the time in which we are, dispensationally, this is the house of God. Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. He said, these things I write unto you, hoping to come unto you shortly. He said, but if for any reason I cannot come to you quickly, I'm writing this to you so that you may know how to behave yourself in the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Pillars here, ground here. He was talking about a place where they assemble. 
So this is the church of God. The word church appears in the New Testament or in the entire Bible 114 times. 96 times it refers to this local church, what we call local church. The word local is not derogatory, but the word local simply means a place you can access that is close by you. That is where the church is. You don't have to go to Dallas or go to Nigeria or go to Houston or go to London. No, this is the church. This is the church of the living God. So this is church. This is the place God says you should not forsake the assembling together of one another as the manner of some. I know Christians who don't go together anymore. Is their manner. I thank God is some, not majority. But you and I must assemble together. And that is what church is. Now, let me tell you seven things about the church. Number one, the church is the place where his people meet. This is the place where God, we, we his people meet. If you meet in a restaurant, while we are meeting there is a church. A church is a place where its people meet, number one. Number two, the church is the place where he meets his people. Not just where his people meet, but where he meets his people. That is why he said in Matthew 6, 16, 19, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I. There am I means that is where he meets us. Not just where we meet, but where he meets us. Number three, church. What is a church? A church is also the place where God's presence is. We talk about in your presence. Where is his presence? We are not telling you to go to heaven. That's what we are saying. In your presence is fullness. Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence. Where is his presence? Here. Here is the place where the spiritual holies of holy is. The church of God. Whatever building we use. Whatever facility we use. If we use a bowling alley. If we use a disco hall. To hold services. While we are there. That is church. His presence is there. The Bible said in Psalm 22, verse 3, he inhabits the praise of his people. So the church of God is a place where he inhabits. The place where his presence is. That is why when you come to a place like this, you need to observe reverential behavior. How many of you remember those old Anglican church? Where you enter? How do you enter? The Lord is in his temple. Let, but nowadays, Pentecostals are rascals. That comes together. Now, there must be reverence when you come to the house of God. Let Dixie House be known as a place of reverence. Not a place where when the message is going on, you are chewing gum like a cow. 
a place of reverence. A place of where you know God is here. God is in his holy temple. I remember when I went to church the first time, everybody's hands at it. I said, what are they doing? They said, they're reverencing God. Why? Because the church of God is not this building. The church of God is us gathered here. Number four. What is the church? The church is the place where he walks on his people and where he walks in his people. Whenever you come here, you have come to be serviced. People say, I'm going to service. No, you're not going to service. You are going to be what? Serviced. You know how you service your car? That's what you come here for. Every time there is fellowship and you come here, you are coming here to be what? Serviced. God is working on you. God is working in you through the ministry of the word. Ephesians 5.26 Washing the church by the water of the word. That's what you come here for. A wash. That's what you come here for. To change your oil. God top up your oil when you come here. He comes here to change your oil. He comes here to change your tires. So that you can run with speed in life. So the church of God is a place you are not just attending service. You are coming to be what? Serviced. Messages are preached that service your relationship. Hands are laid on you to service your health life. Teachings come to service your obedience. Submission one to another in the fear of God. The church of God is a place where he walks on his people. If you come to church and the message is not relevant to you, then it's not a church. One woman say every time I come to church, it's like you're preaching about me. I say, you need to be serviced. Look at your neighbor and say, you have not just come to a service. You have come here to be serviced. And you know when you, after you service a car, you know how the engine is crank. So when we come to God's presence, we have the fullness of joy and we leave this place serviced. Clean. Sharp. Our vision is renewed. Our commitment is reorganized. We are strong and ready to face the battle of life. The church of God, number five. Is it number five now? Number five is your spiritual address. Spiritual address. The church of God is your spiritual address. All of us have a place where we walk. If you don't have a place of work, unemployment is your address. But we also have an address, like pastor's address. I know it offhand. I won't quote it so that some of you don't go and visit him unexpectedly. So, the church of God is your spiritual address. If you go out there, let's say you go to Jesus' house, where the computer is from, and they say, where are you from? I'm from Ofa. That's your universal address. That's the town you were born. Where are you from? You give them your home address. What's your home? No, in Chicago, not from Ofa. In Chicago, you give them your home address. Where are you from? You give them your office address. Then where are you from spiritually? You are from Victory House. This is your spiritual address. And you should be careful not to spoil your address. Because how many of you know you need to protect your address? 
I don't know what happens here, but in Europe, people can mess up your address. An address can be messed up. I used to live in a house in London. After everywhere I go, and they say, what's your postcode? I give them an address. They say, eh? The person who lived there was a con artist. He had destroyed the address. I, I also, when I got there, I saw that. Uh, the house was too cheap for the price. I didn't know that the address was, was dirty. So this is your spiritual address. If you want to get married spiritually to another Christian, this is the place you say you worship. If you don't have a place of worship, you are a nomadic Christian and a dangerous customer. Do you know you can't buy phone without an address? You can't buy wife without address, spiritual address. Those people who came to marry my sons and my daughter asked them, which one is your address? The first one my daughter brought is a relay, relay. I don't have any spiritual. I said, ah. I said, you see that door? It's waiting for you. Relay, relay. You don't have a spiritual address. Who will I hold responsible if anything happens? So you need a spiritual address. And so you must dig your root into your address. You must bring in your spiritual bags, spiritual wardrobes, and pitch it with the church. Number six, the church of God is not just the place that is your spiritual address. The church of God is the place where our deeds are met. I can tell you some of you will get husband here. You get wife here. It's a place where your need are met. Need for companionship. Need for acceptance. That is why in the church of God we should not chase people away. We must accept them just as they are. If, if the life, if life beats people and they run into the church, the church should receive them. Let Victory House be known as a church where people are accepted the way they are. They can always come the way they are, but they will not live like they came in Jesus' name. Because there are some churches. There are rules. You must not wear trousers. Don't you wear nickel? That's a form of trousers now. I remember my wife. My wife grew up in gospel faith mission. And when we came to, you know, in those days, haven't lived in Nigeria, she said, I don't wear trousers, I don't wear trousers. I said, okay. When we came to London, minus 15. <laughs> Nobody told her. She was, first of all, wearing tights. I said, you still get there, you get there, you get there. After a while, she said, I said, ah, holiness unto the Lord. Ah, you are wearing trousers. As a woman, you are free to wear the trousers that are built for women. Not the trousers that are built for men that you wear. That's what the Bible is talking about. Not, now we have trousers, we have jackets built for women. You are free to wear them. There's no problem with them. But what, if, you know, some people don't even know trousers that are built for men. A man's trousers zip is on the right. A woman's trousers zip is on the left. For those of you women who wear jeans, that are meant for men. Look at the zip. Where it is, oh. From today, 
The zip of the man is on the right. The zip of the woman is on the left. So in your choice of clothes, buy the one that is built for you. I know some men who wear women's shoes. In fact, as a pastor in Malawi, he said he does not feel comfortable in shoes that are men. So you see him on Sunday morning. And I said to myself, even women who wear it to church, they have a small bag where they put a... Eh? <laughs> so that's the house of God. It's a place where this You see, when you have a need, don't stay away from church. Oh, my daughter is sick. That's why I stayed home. That's the wrong approach. My daughter is sick. That is why I come to church. One woman did not come to church. I said, why did not come? He said, uh, my daughter was sick. I said, are you a doctor? He said, no. You didn't take your daughter to the hospital. Did I say you? Yes, he said yes. I said, why did you bring her to church? He said, because she's sick. I said, ah, that is the place to come to. If you are going to die, die in God's house. The Bible said, even if you are sick, send for the elders. That is if you cannot stand up. Your daughter is the one sick. One man asked, I said, why did you come to church? He said, his father died. Said, did you die with him? Did you die with him? All those excuses are because we don't know what the church of God is. It's a place where needs are met. You are worried, come to church. You are disappointed, come to church. Your boyfriend jilted you, come to church. You lost your job, come to church. The church is a hospital. People come to church with all kinds of ailments. You don't have money, come to church. Go with talk somebody's heart. I remember in those days, I would go to worship service without money to go back. And I would pray. One day, one man tapped, he said, your prayers have been answered. He said, I'm the one answering your prayer now. He said, you don't need to wait for God. He said, I could hear you say, Lord, provide money for me to go back home. He said, I'm here. I will answer. <laughs> it's such a blessing to be part of the church family. Your church family should be appreciated. But God wants you to help the church to do what? To grow. The church is not just a place where you take from. It's a place where you give. We should not come to church all the time to take from the church. The reason why you can take from this church is because some people gave. Before now, some people have given to this church. That is why when you came, you were able to take something from the church. So put your own also into the church so that in future those who come will have something to take. Don't always come to church with the attitude that the church owe you. You too owe the church. The church is not just a place of, bless, of being blessed. The church is also a place of being a blessing. Zechariah 8, 13. Ezekiel 34, 26. God wants you to be a blessing. God says in the scripture I read, I will build my church. God wants his church to grow. You and I are partners with him. God wants you to partner with him to grow the church. Today, God is doing all he can to grow his church, but his partners are not working with him. Only God can grow his church. One family cannot grow it. Half of us cannot. This church can only grow when every part of this church supply whatever they can supply 
to the edification of the entire church. God wants you to help this church grow. Let me quickly do this. There are six directions in which God wants this church to grow. Six directions. Number one, God wants this church to grow upward. Upward. How does a church grow upward? A church grows upward when a church becomes what was in the mind of God when he commissioned the church. When God gave this church the name Victory House, there is a church God wants us to build. Victory House. A house where people experience victory. So a church grows upward when it is becoming what God intended it to be when God started it. The word growth means to become. The word growth means to come to be. The word growth means to improve. The word growth means to increase. So a church can grow how? Upward. Number two. The second direction in which a church can grow, you grow downward. What does it mean to grow downward? To be established. To be grounded. A church that does not have a building uh, is not a church yet. It's a fellowship. I know a church in England. I used to know them when they were almost 250 people. Over 11 years, they moved to 14 different locations. When I went there the last time, they were 11. From 250 to 11. So, the purchase of this building is a growth how? Downward. So, a church should grow downward. Established, grounded, rooted. Ephesians 3.17 says, grounded and rooted. Colossians 2.7 says, grounded and built up. So a church needs to grow how? Downward. We must be established. We must have structures and facilities through which our ministry as a church can be expressed. We grow downward. That's what we need. We grow downward. I know apart from this hall, we have some other side. I think we have some side rooms here where you can do other things, okay? So that the church will be able to have expression. Because we are not just about holding Sunday services alone. We have other things that God has called us to do. I think there's a basement here. Oh, there's a basement. Good. That's part of the structure. So a church grows downward when you are established, when you are grounded. And God wants you to help that to happen. You are not just here to attend service. You are here to help the vision and the mission of this church see the light of day. Number three. A church also needs to grow inwardly, internally. Internally. How does a church grow internally? You come in single, you get married. That's internal growth. You come in as someone who does not know his left from right, and then you're able to find your feet. You come in as a hero of wood, declaring asylum, then you become IT consultant. That is internal growth. 
when quality can be seen in our lives. You come here as a student, then you become a big doctor, a big nurse, an accountant, an engineer. That is internal growth. When people's quality of life changes, by the grace of God, victory house will be a place where you grow internally. I went to one church one day. 104 people. 99 of them were women. Mm -mm. That's not growth. Growth is not monolithic. We need men. We need women. We need children. We need old men. We need middle men. Young about professionals. We need adults. We need young adults. We need children. That is internal growth. When you come to a church, you, have your, you get married there, you got a wife, you get married there, you have children there, your children give their life to Christ, begin to go to school, that is what? Internal growth. That is growth. So God wants his church to grow up, to grow down, to grow inwardly. Do not be the person through whose life people begin to question whether we are serving God here or not. If you need to go to school, go to school. This is not a church where we glamorize illiteracy. This is a church of knowledge. This is a church of internal growth. Internal growth means things within, among us, here, within us, get better. I know pastor can look at some people who came here five years ago, who they don't know they are left from their right. But now they are standing. They are rooted. They are built up. There were some of you when I came the first time. You didn't know anything about anything. But you have since gone to school. You started university. You finished. You started another course. You finished. You came here probably doing care job. Then along the line, you became a nurse. You became a doctor. That is internal growth. God wants his church to grow in all of these dimensions. You have your own contribution. Number four. God wants his church to grow. How? Outwardly. Grow upward. Grow downward. Grow inward. Grow outward. How does the church grow outward? When you begin to impact your neighborhood. Make sure, Victory House, that people who live on this street, across this street, in this neighborhood, are evangelized and you bring them to this church. Let them know that you are here. You are so blessed. It's a church building. Publicity is limited. But people who knew this church, what it was before, need to know that it's now under new management. So go and tell them. Let's, you need to have a signboard that will always be beaming, even if it's dark. Receive the church of God. Victory house. Victory house. So anybody who pass, will, the attention will be caught. We need a lead display. Probably something that you display your lead and your programs. So that people in this neighborhood, during summer, plan something for the youth in this neighborhood. Go to the park closest here. Plan something. Free of charge. Summer training for those who want learn to learn how to sew clothes. They call them fashion design, not tailor. That's a glamorized way of calling it now. Fashion designing. In our church, we have this program annually. 
whereby we train people in carpentry, in plumbing, in painting, in writing, in baking, in cooking, in frying hair, frying fingernails, all of that. Manicure, pedicure, teach care, everything. We train them, we teach them. And the neighborhood who are Muslims, they come and they join us in worship. Many Muslims in our neighborhood join us in worship without even knowing what we are doing. They start at it. You know what? <laughs> when Alice is studying Wonderland, you see it all over them. So we need to grow how? Outward. Neighborhood must know we are here. Young people make noise. I have some group of about 200 guys. They make noise like, and I can see them in your faces. Can you make noise? Make some noise now. Even the older ones here make noise. So let's make noise. This is our location now. They must know we have come here. This building is under new management. Probably the church that was here before. It is organ. How many of you know that kind of organ? May the Lord is in his holy temple. Let's make noise. Let them know this is a new place. It's a new season. It's a new day. Flesh. Let the praise team go to the park. Dressed with a, with a vest that says, Victory House. A place you need to visit. Put at the back. In our church, we had this special t-shirt. I love my church. And then we put it at the back. Ask me why. And you know when ladies wear that in Nigeria? Man, we follow them. I want to ask you why. I want to... <laughs> we had some other ones. I love my church. Follow me there this week. Say, okay, I will follow you. Uh, if you don't follow, I will follow. <laughs> oh, all manners of baits to catch them. We need to grow how? Up. We need to grow down. We need to grow inwardly. We need to grow outwardly. Then number five, we need to experience outgrow growth. Outgrow growth. What does that mean? We have not outgrown this place. We have space here. I've told pastor, you buy more chairs after this program. Every one of you sitting on the chair, donate to buy one chair. Is that a good one? Every one of you buying one chair. Pastor, don't take the money from the offering. You need the offering for other things. So everyone, can you raise your hand and say, yes, I agree, sir. If you don't agree, I will have to do something to you. So raise up your hand and say, I agree, sir. I think one chair will be about $35. Yeah, I mean, everybody can afford that. You can even give your money for the chair today. Uh, the computer, you give your own before you go. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> so that is outgrow growth. We need to outgrow this place. I want to give you a challenge. By next Nikos, let us feel compelled to do two services here. Your amen is standing on one leg. Oh. By next Nikos, because I will be around. Will you be around? Will you still be alive? Oh, because you didn't say it properly. Say, I will be around. 
Say, I don't know about you, but I will be around. Uh, you know. <laughs> so, let us experience outgrow growth. Let's outgrow the facility. Let us come to a point where we say, ah, oh, I think we need to buy a bigger church. I didn't hear the amen. Your amen is in one leg. When I came here, I just said, uh, I don't think this is where Pastor Emmanuel is going on. This one is good, but mm -mm. no. That's not the vision I see for you. I see a big vision for you. How many of you feel like that? Too? Can I see your heart? Uh-huh, you can see now. But that is why I'm speaking today. Because we have to make it happen. Be seated, Pastor. Outgrow! I remember when I had only one bedroom, I agreed. And I had room and panel. <laughs> How many of you don't want to out I mean, I don't know the size of your house. But you see, in, my, in the house where I built eventually, all my children had rooms. Even made, made, had an air-conditioned room. In fact, at times, there's another room where we put dogs. When they litter, we put the dog inside the house. Because of plenty of room. We need more room. Can I hear you say, Amen! So, outgrow growth. And then, number six, onward growth. That means we need to grow and keep growing in all those six areas. So, God wants his church to grow. And he wants to enlist you as a partner. I'm going to be saying, I will partner with God. You have a relationship with God. You have fellowship with God. And God says, I want a partnership with you about my house. In the next few minutes, I will tell you as quickly as I can, seven ways God wants you to help this church to grow. Seven ways you can help this church grow. Seven ways you can help this church grow. Number one, the first way you can help this church grow is by growing yourself. Grow your career. Grow your life. Grow your ministry. Mature as an individual. When a person matures, they become aware of their responsibilities and duties. The growth of this church will be preceded by your own growth. If you do not grow, you cannot help us grow. You cannot give what you don't have. So lift up your hand and say, I will grow. So I will help my church grow. Victory House, I will help you grow in the name of Jesus. So the first way to help this church grow is by you what? Growing. Grow fast. If you grow in your career and you make more money, you give us more money. And then we can grow with more money. If you grow spiritually, you will reach out. If you grow, you'll be more useful. If you grow, you, your commitment will be deeper. So you and I need to grow as the first way to help our church to do what? To grow. It's a very simple thing. Just make sure you do something about your growth. Make sure you take your spiritual growth very seriously. 
Take your marital growth seriously. Shukwa, begin to pray. It's not when time comes to marry. You don't say, I don't have anybody to marry. Begin to pray now. Shukwa. And people are in the same boat with him. Even you sisters. It's not when you get to 28, 29. It's light. We always encourage our, 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 our spinsters to begin to pray when you get to 20 as a girl. The boys, when you get to 22. Because I don't know where you're rushing to. At 90, you still be fat and flourishing. So, delay it a little bit. Because you need to achieve something to marry a quality woman. The reason why some people end up marrying uh, Jankara, fairly used women, is because you too did not grow, grow your career. So that when you talk to a sister, she say, yes. She, she doesn't have to pray. She say, I have received, Yes. When I spoke to my wife, it was under 10 seconds. Not all those lies. And I saw myself wearing a blue suit. And then I was waving to you. And you were throwing mm -mm, rubbish. Those are people who have grown only in mouth. I, mean, I didn't grow like that. When I spoke to her, 10 seconds. I said, the Lord has told me that you are my wife. Go and pray about you and let me hear from you. God bless you. He said, is that all? I said, yes, that's all. She went back in one week. I know. She told me later, I said, the day you spoke to me, when I saw you, I know. Yes, <laughs> when you grow, you can help the church grow. If you don't have something, how can you give it? If you are not something, how can you help us get the job done? We need more hands. And more hands are going to be people who have grown. The more the people we can raise who grow, the more the young people we can bring in that we can influence. God will not send his people to a place where they don't be taken care of. Number two. The second way you can help our church to grow is by helping other people within the church to grow. Don't just grow. Help other people. You're a doctor. Help the young person. Who is reading medicine? You are an old wife, help the young wives. You are a successful businessman, help the other young people who are just starting business life. You already know about ministry, help the younger ones. I am helping Pastor Emmanuel now because I have grown. I'm helping him to grow. So you can, you can look for somebody here and mentor them. Everybody in church, they're not on the same level. There are people who need help. There are people who can help. There are people who relocate suddenly to this country. And you have been in this country and you know your way around. What do you do? You have I pray this church will be known as a church where you find help. Amen. Say it again. I, say, I pray this church will be a church where they help other people to grow. Amen. What you have learned and is good for you Somebody else needs to know about it. Show people the way forward. Some people come into a city, they find it difficult to settle down. Help them to grow. Help them to get a job. Help them to locate themselves. I remember I was talking to Shukwa, was it yesterday or today? I said, how did you come to work in the place where you worked? He said, a brother in church. You see that? A brother in church told me about it. That there is this offer, and I applied, and I went for the interview, and I, 
Here am I. How many of you have received help in this church? Can I see your hand? You have a duty to help other people too. So every Sunday, go looking around for someone who needs help. People who come for the first time, they are not difficult to know. When they start about the service, you just see them. Nobody's talking to them. Walk up to them and say, brother, can I help you? Are you new to town? People, when people become, listen, let me say this. One of the reasons why people remain in the church is either their family members are there or they have friends there. Or they have responsibilities in the church. If your family member is in the church, you want to be there. If, but if you find help, I remember the church. It was now a very big church, about 2,000 people in the U.S. I went to them in 1997. When I went there, I saw three of our members from Milani who are members of the church. So after the service, the church was about 30 adults, 20 children. After the service, I called those three guys. I said, what can you do to help this church grow? I asked them, what is your own? What is your own? What kind of business do you do? What kind of business? And coincidentally, all of them were IT consultants. They were into IT. In those days, it was Oracle 7 and Oracle 8. So I told them, I said, start a free classes for people who want to do the exam, extramural classes. If you go into the community to go and learn how to do the Oracle thing, it will cost you $8,000. I said, make it available to them free. Let it be available to them free of charge. So they started. The only condition is anybody who's going to come to the classes free must come to church. Because the classes will be after church service. You cannot just come after church service. You have to attend. Because the first thing we'll review is the pastor's sermon. Mm -hmm. So the first thing, they registered 18 students. Three of them were taking various aspects of the course. Free. All you have to do is be a member of the church. Go to foundation classes. Go to membership classes. 16 passed. That is 16 additional sources of income for the church. The next one they did, 32 people enrolled. 28 of them passed. 28 additional IT consultants in the same church. The church went from literally 50 people to 500. You can help this church grow. Think of something constructive. You can teach people how to bake. Church members don't have to come to you to make hair. For you to have hair to make. Teach other people how to make hair. One sister said, eh, I don't have papers. I said, look, someone will teach you how to make hair and how to sew. Till you get papers. So they taught her how to make hair and how to sew. And she started making money. She went to school. She came out. She became marriageable. When a woman makes money or a man makes money, you be, your, your value of marriage market will show up. But when they say, what are you doing? I'm not doing anything. I'm looking unto the Lord. Ah, you are looking unto the Lord? You can't go to, you can't go to uh, Kroger, whatever the departmental store is called here, and be looking to God. So number two, how can I help this church grow? Number one, I grow. Number two, I help others to grow. One of my sons in one church, I told him, he, he plays all the instruments, keyboard, drum set, guitar, violin, viola, cello. I said, why don't you start uh, special music classes, free, for children who are ages 9 to 12, and make it free. But the only condition is one of the parents, during the training, that is going to be for six months, must be attending church service. 
with the, with the child. So he introduced the idea. They publicized it. One of the parents, not both of you. But you know, once you get one person, the other people pull another person. It's like a crab. You know when you put a crab inside the bucket and it's one, you need to cover it. But if you have two or three crabs inside the bucket, it does not need a lead. If the other one is going, you pull it, come here. If the other one is going, you pull it, come here. So, I said start. So he started. I think the first time he wrote about 15 young boys and girls, started teaching them, training them, all the equipments. And you know, these things sell, especially in North America. Some people have professional keyboards, professional drummer, and all of that. It sells big time. And he insisted that the parents, one of the parents should come. <laughs> At the end of six months, when the boy has finished, or the girl has finished training, and the mom now said, ah, oh, let's go back. I said, no, I, I'm, I'm going to stay in our church. This is our church now. You know, children are there. And they pull their parents. I know many parents in our church that were brought by their children through the music academy. The church must use every means possible to reach souls. So this boy started. He told me the last time, he said, sir, I can point to nothing less than 75 families that came in through my keyboard classes. You know, some of those women also, or the men that followed their children, they became his friends. They even got him contract outside. But one thing was that the church was able to grow. Whatever gift you have, use it for the church. Some of you smile well, well. Use that smile. Help the church to grow by growing. Help the church to grow by helping others. Take interest in people. Take interest, genuine interest in people. Number three. How can I help this church to grow? Number three, by being a good ambassador inside the church. I mean, by being a good example inside the church and a good ambassador outside the church. What do you mean, sir? What I mean is, if you're a good example in the church, people will emulate you. The greatest thing you can be in the church is to be an example to somebody, to inspire somebody else to follow your example. First Timothy 4.12 Let no man despise thy youth. Be that an example of the Christian. And then be a good ambassador outside the church. What does that mean? Let me give you a mandate. Every one of you should try and bring at least one blessing from your place of work or from your school or from your street or from your neighborhood. Simple way to help your church grow. Just be a good ambassador. You see, if your Christianity is real Christianity, real Christianity is attractive. It's attractive. Real Christianity is scintillating. Real Christianity is captivating. Real Christianity is inviting. Jesus said it. He said, and I, John 12, 32, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw what? All men. If you have not brought people from your place of work, from your class, from your neighborhood to your church, it simply means that you're not a good ambassador. People are not seeing your light. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works. And do what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, you can help your church grow. 
How? Be a good example. Let people as a family be a good example of a family. Husband and wife, sit down together. Come to church promptly. Pay your tithe. Worship. And don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. I don't know why. I remember one of our deacons one time. He was sitting near the keyboard where the console is, the microphone. And the keyboard and everything. And the, the wires, you know, all these wires. Well, we said, praise the Lord. He, he, was, he was sleeping. He woke up from sleep. He said, Hallelujah. He used his leg to remove the earth. So, be an example in the church. An example of obedience. When they say, shall we rise? Stand up. Lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. Let people look at you and want what you have. Let them look at you in the church. It's inspiring. Do you know there are some people who come to church because of some people? Not even because of God. Let me tell you the story of one man. One of our workers, this is about 18-year-old girl, used to be an usher by the door. This man had lost his job for three years. His wife had left him and gone back to the village. And this man was the only one struggling, trying to make ends meet. So this man, he, was, he, he went out. You know this place where they read newspaper? Free of charge? Do you know the place? How many of you know there's something like that in Nigeria? <laughs> I know you must have practiced it. That's why before I, before I called, you have raised up your hand. <laughs> so you pay a little amount in some places that you read all the papers. So this man had gone to read all the papers. He was going back home, then he saw a banner. And he looked. He said, I don't know whether these people can help. So he came to the door and he met the usher. This little girl said, you're welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, God, God. Is the one who sent you here. Your steps are ordered. And she kept talking. The man said for the first time in his life. He saw someone who saw something good in him. He said his wife forsook him and went to the village. And nobody has ever said anything like that. He said so he stood there. And he was listening to this girl. Was to the girl. When the girl finished. He said have you finished? He said thank you. Uh, he entered into the church. In those days I used to have a meeting with. First time as those who come for the first time in three months. So the man stood up and said, excuse me, I have something to say. I said, what? He said, it was not your preaching that made me stay in the church. Uh -uh, that was a low blow. <laughs> I said, what made you stay? He said, that girl. He said, the first time I came, the thing she said to me at the door. He said, when I entered and sat down, I can't even remember the message you preached. He said, I was praying down everything that girl said. He said, the next Sunday, when I was coming, I had to look from far, whether she was there or not. He said, I saw that she was not there, so I waited. I waited. See, when I saw her, he said, instead of, he said, the other people were saying, come this way. He said, I just went to her. He said, ah, you have come again. In the month of two or three witnesses, let everyone be silent. Today is the beginning of the best day of your life. And she kept talking. 18 year old girl. The man said, Every Sunday she gave me doses upon doses. He said, I picked my confidence back through her. I'm sorry, sir, not your preaching. I said, I'm sorry. I said, Okay. Okay, okay. I said, But I was one who taught her. He said, I don't know. But I'm. I'm not. <laughs> no. That is how you can help your church. Be a good ambassador out there. 
Let people see you and see life. Let them see hope. Let them see victory. The way you live your life out there is more of an advertisement than what you say. Christianity, we are not getting it wrong with what we say. We are getting it wrong with how we live. How many people will follow you to your church in your class? How many? How many people in your neighborhood will follow you to your church? How many people? If you are actually a good ambassador, you will advertise Victory House. When they see victory, V unto V, V unto V, victory unto victory in your life. When they see you listening to workman and it's your pastor's mercy. They say, what are you listening to? All this time, you're always listening. Say, I also can share with you. Put it in their ears. And let them hear the man of God preaching powerfully. That is the third way you can help your church grow. Number four, way you can help your church grow is by praying for your church. Let me say something to you. If there's anything your church needs more than anything else is prayer. Prayer is not for special people. Anybody can pray. First Timothy 2.8 He said, I wish that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands. Pray for your programs. Not only for Nikos. Pray that church members will not be discouraged during this period we are in. Pray that the atmosphere of the church will be an inspiring atmosphere. Pray for the choir. Pray for the single men, the married men. Pray for the newly wedded. Pray for families whose spouses are not with them. Pray for homes that are going through challenges. Pray for problematic children. Pray, pray, pray for all the workers. If you cannot do anything in the church, you can pray. Stop praying for yourself only. I didn't say stop praying for yourself. Listen, no matter how good your life is, if the soil in which you are planted is a poor soil, what will happen? Your life will not mature. Your life will not progress. As you are praying for yourself, no matter how good a seed is, if you put it in a bad soil, it will not grow. So while you are praying for your life to be better, pray for the soil where you are planted also to be manured. Pray for your church. You don't need any special talent to pray for your church. No, you don't. You don't need anything special. Two minutes prayer for your church every day will change this church. We are moving to a new building. I was telling somebody recently, I said, when I was coming to preach here, you know what I prayed for? Whatever demons have occupied this building, before you people came in, you leave. I always say this to people. Whatever makes a church sell their building, you should resist that force. By the grace of God, for no reason will you sell it because of any problem. Whatever chase that the inhabitants here will never chase you out. In the name of Jesus. Pray for your pastor. God will give him fantastic revelation so that he will be a voice and not an echo. Fifth for minister to your seat with his custom made trouser. His trouser looks like that of a best man or that of someone who serves wine. 
I don't know where he got it from. Pray for families. Pray for people who are in transition. People who are looking for a job. People who have been disappointed. Women who are pregnant. Women who are waiting for pregnancy. Families with young children. Families with old parents. Pray for everything. Pray for your equipment that will function well. Pray for your services that will be anointed services. The power of God, the glory of God will fill the service. That's number four. Let me give you three more. My time is already spent. Blessed are they that keep the time. For they shall be invited back. Whether you invite me back or not, I will invite myself. I will just show up, that's all. Let's now see whether you are going to drive me. Number five. <laughs> Number five. How can I help this church grow? Be passionate about your church. And be involved. Don't be a spectator. This is not a church. Where you look at what is happening. Become part of the history makers. Be a newsmaker in church. Your talent is needed. If God can use Moses' rod, he can use any rod that you have. You are good for something. Some of you are good to make people laugh. Some of you are just good. You are given to hospitality. Look at that girl. She won that so. Do you know when the man gave that testimony about that girl? I asked any of the people who have been coming in the last three months. How many of them? 25 other people raised their hand. They said it was the girl. Will you be one of those that people will point to and say, he was the one who made me stay. He was the one who brought me. Look at your neighbor and say, how many people have you brought? Again, ask him, say, how many people have you brought? It has been discovered that the reason why people go to church is because some people brought them. And that churches are filled with people who are brought by other people. It has been discovered. That's the, that's the, that's the fastest thing. But be passionate. When they have a sticker they are selling, buy it. They are doing a program, get involved. When they say man, join as a man. Don't behave like a boy. My dear sister, if pastor says, I want all men to wait, and your darling, sweetie, says, my dear, let's go home. Say, I'm not going. Are you not a man? Are you a boy? Go and wait. Pastor says, men should wait. Be involved. I always say this to people. You need to be involved so that you can become. Belong so that you can become. If there's anything, children, bring your children, let them participate. Anything for women, participate with them. Probably they are having Mother's Day and they are all tying their head there, high in a particular place, or making one style of hair. I remember one year, all the women in our church decided to make the same kind of hairstyle. That thing blew me away. Come and see various kind of hairstyles. Those who didn't have hair. Come and see. Coconut shin. They said we are going to wear natural. So everybody was supposed to come naturally. Hey! Come and see some people that I thought had hair. But I discovered they don't have anything. 
It's beautiful. Get involved. Be passionate. Be warm-hearted. Carry our trucks. Carry our invites. Carry our flyers. Share. Share the link of the church with people. Share video. Buy messages of your pastor. He has not written a book. At least he's preaching. Get the one that bless you most. If his message bless you, it can bless somebody else. Someone needs to know what you know. Someone needs to be blessed by what you've been blessed by. Become passionate. Involve. For those of you who come from Lagos, you remember there's this church in, in Lagos known as the Lord's Army. How many of you remember the Lord's Army? How many of you know whenever they have, want to have a program, they will use their banner as what? As t-shirts. They'll be wearing all over the places. They are not ashamed. But when you come here, you are ashamed. I'm ashamed. I can't give anybody e-flyer, you know. You'll be forming for me. No, you better do it for Jesus. Know what he did for you and do it for him. Don't form. If you are going to form, form well. How can I help my church grow? Be a good ambassador. Be passionate. Be committed. Even if all you do is come to church, you don't join in the department, it's okay. But when there are special programs, volunteer to serve in one or the other department. So people don't want to be workers. We have them in our church. So we tell them whenever there are special programs, volunteers should come out. You can volunteer to come and serve in the office. I hope there's a church office. You don't have to be paid to work for God. You can say I'm free on Wednesday. I will come to the church office from 10 to 12. That's part of service. First Corinthians 15, 58 says, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing this, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let me give you two more. Your money has expired. Another thing you can do to help your church grow is very simple. Make sure every chair is filled. Make sure the chair you buy, you win somebody to sit on it. How many of you feel that will make you happy? Can I see your hand? Yeah. The chair you buy. Because you are going to buy a chair now. Also, don't just use your hand to do something and use your leg to clear it. Use your hand to bring chair and use the same hand to bring somebody to sit on it. Do you know what? If somebody, if everybody here or even half of us can invite one person next Sunday, do you know this place will be filled up? If next Sunday you can walk. How many of you have ever been invited to a program by a deeper lifer? You know how they do. Whenever I see a deeper life person, when I was in campus, I run. One of them invited me for a Bible study on Saturday morning, 10 a.m. He came to my room, 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. So I said, it's 8. He said, yes. I know. I said, why are you here? He said, I will sit down here. I said, you don't have to sit down. He said, no, I'm going to sit down. Don't worry. I, I had to go to the Bible study by force. So. You and I need to fill this house. God wants a full house. God does not want a house that is not filled. God wants a full house. In thy presence is fullness of joy. In the, pro, in the parable in Luke 14, it says, 
He said, I want my house to be full. When they said, we have gone out, we have invited, but there is still room. He said, go to the highway at the hedges. Compel them to come in that my house may be full. Invite people every service day. From Monday, set a goal. Set your eye on somebody who does not have anything to do in that week or that Sunday who cannot give excuse. And make sure you drive by their house, you go to them, they wait by you, wait for you on the road, and you bring them to church and drop them back home. Invite. Not only invite, try and win souls. Proverbs 11.30. He that winneth souls is what? Wise. In our church, we have a standard. If you're a minister and you don't win 12 souls a year, you can't continue as a minister. One per month. That is the fruit of your ministry. I know that would be a very tall order. But how many of you know that barrenness is a bad thing? There is no family where there is barrenness, where there is happiness. But when we are spiritually barren and we don't have fruit, we don't really bother. That's what we spoke on Saturday. Cut back and cut off things that are affecting your fruitfulness. Make up your mind someone will know Christ because of me. Someone will come to our church because of me. Use your influence to influence somebody. Your influence is good for something. There are some people that will not resist you. How I many of you know all of us have people that when we talk to, they say, okay, sir. My junior brother, that was how I got him saved. By force. He was in offer, working in a bank. I, I said, my junior, my junior brother will go to hell. I drove to offer. Kule! Yeah. Enter into the car. I said, you must be born again today. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, yes, sir. The money I was supporting you with, I was going to stop it. Ah, can't be giving you money now. Say the following words after me. Dear God in heaven, dear God in heaven. I come to you, Joseph. I come to you, Joseph. I'm telling you. Some people did a comedy in Nigeria. It was very funny. People had guns, armed. They were stopping people. They were not collecting money. They said, if you don't get money, I will kill you so that you can go to hell quickly. Say the following words. I receive Christ. I receive Christ. <laughs> it was a comedy, but there's a lot of sense in it. If you have people you can influence, the greatest influence you can do is to get them into the kingdom and bring them to the place where you have put your name, where God has put his name. How many of you think I've helped you? This is how to help this church. This church needs help. I know we are doing well, but that is by your standard. We can do better. Something good has already happened. Something better is in store. We are a choir was the only department that could not join. At times I don't even know what it, what's the key. What's the key? I said the Bible said make a joyful noise. The man said key. What's key? When I went to join the choir, they said they would give, put me on three months probation. I said okay. So I was on three months. I came back. They, they did audition. The man said ah, and they gave me six months probation. Then I went and I came back. In fact, 
As I just opened my mouth, I said, he said, can I say something? I said, yes. He said, you can never learn to sing. He said, I will encourage you to join Bible study department. So when I'm singing at his off key, don't worry. I'm making a joyful noise. Let us help this church. This church have helped you. Jesus is here to, this church is here to help you. But what will you do for Jesus? I always tell people every Christmas, what gift will you bring to Jesus? Wise men bring gifts. The soul of a man is the greatest gift you can give to Jesus. Invite people to church, but also save souls. Number seven. There are so many of them, but I have to stop. Number seven way you can help this church grow by supporting us financially. So that there can be meat in this house. Look it as your look at it as your responsibility to maintain the storehouse. The storehouse simply means the account of the church from where money is taken to service. This church needs a lot of money. Look at your neighbor and say, money. Say it again, say, money. Ecclesiastes 10, 19. Say, money answereth unto all things. Let me say this to you. For those of you who have been Christians more than 10 years, please do something. Increase your tithe. 10% is not the maximum. 10% is the minimum. 10% is the minimum. Why do you stay with the minimum? If they say pass mark is 50%, will you pray to score 50? Won't you pray to score 60 or 70 or 80? I've been a Christian now for 40 years. Every year, I either increase my offering or increase my tithe. Since last year, 2019, I increased my tithe to 50% of my income. 50%. Unto whom much is given, much is expected. You know what I wanted to do? Raise, give God a raise. Many of us want a raise at work. But raise God first. All other things have been raised. Rent, you pay more. Tax, you pay more. School fees, you pay more. But you've kept God on the same salary. 10%. When God told me to begin to raise my tithe, I thought I was going to die. Do you know that 5% of your income can be a lot of money if you earn so much? A man of God by the name of Rick Warren. He pastors a church in the Orange County in California State. He pays 91% of his income as tight. Me, I have not reached that place. I'm pressing up the upward way. I've increased it from 10 to 12 to 15% 
But the point is this, the more I raised it, the more God raised his blessing on my life. At the beginning of this year, in the month of January, God blessed me so much that what I raked in, what God blessed me with was more than what I got last year from January to February. I mean from January to June. God is faithful. If you expect God to keep faith with you, when you get a raise, raise him too. God has been good and gracious. I went on to 25, 27.5, 26.5, 30%, 32.5, 35, 4, uh, 35, 37.5, 40, from 40, I jumped. To 50. Nothing is easy. But when you set your heart to do it, you can do it. How many of you know you can raise your tithe? Can I see your hand? Why don't you know that? To him that knoweth to do good and does not do it, it's sin. If you know you have the capacity to raise that tithe, Today, you are going to have to start it. You are going to make that effort. And I'm going to pray a special prayer for you. I want you to support this program this year. Michael's conference. In whatever way God leads you to do it. There are various ways you can support this program. You can pay for the hotel. You can pay for the feeding. I went to a church before I came here. Three people in that church, no. Three families. One of them was responsible for the honorarium that I was given. One family. Husband and wife. One family was responsible for all the days I stayed in the hotel. One family. One family was responsible for all the food that they gave to the church. Do we have food? We don't have food after the service. Don't let us hold Nikos again without having food though. Why not? I went to a church in Decatur. Decatur, Georgia. The name of the church is The Way, The Truth, and The Life. Pastored by a man known as Apostle Ulysses Tuff. T-U-F-F. Midweek services, they were 235. The church membership is 250. Every day they come to church. After service like this, they just go to the basement. You don't need to go home and cook. Food is already provided. And there's one family that has been doing it. God is not unrighteous. At the redeemed camp in Dallas convention every year in the last 10 years I know one man who single-handedly pay for all the feeding, one person have you ever been at the camp? how many of you have been at the camp? I know not many of you the food that everybody eats during that convention in Dallas one person 
He told me when he was going to start. And he's still doing it till last year. Blaze the trail in this church. Start something that is worth of emulation in terms of supporting the church financially. The church needs your help. I know your pastor will not ask you for money. He's very rich, you know. Very rich man. And that's very rich assistant. Though I've been expecting his check since I came. He has just been laughing. I'm not going to forgive you. I'm just joking. But what I'm saying is this. Many times the pastor have stepped in. But you know when if he keeps stepping in, he's the one getting the blessing. That's why his wife is looking younger. How many of you need the blessing too? Don't let him be the only one blessed. Since I knew him, he has gotten so good. He, I mean, even look at his shirt. That shirt is where he's imported from England. It's not an American shirt. That one. And I know that at least one of them is 42 pounds. Converted to dollars. It's not like the shirt you wear here with type diabetic. Gets it from England. They are called C. I mean, that's House of Cottage, isn't it? He knows what is good. You can see that his socks is also multicolored. Look at me, old man. Look at me. So, sincerely, he has been getting blessed. I'm telling you. But he's not the only one that has a right to it. You too need to be blessed. And that is why you should not let every sacrifice be him making it. Why not you? Consider making a sacrifice for this conference. At the end of the service, no matter whatever sacrifice you can make, even if it's $20 or 40 or 50 go to the pastor and say, Pastor, this for this conference. Oh, it goes. Conference. My prayer is that when we come next year, we have many more things to celebrate. We have many more things to celebrate. I say we'll have many more things to celebrate. By your heads, everybody. Talk to the Lord. In what way do you want me to help this church grow? In what ways? Go ahead. In what ways? Talk to the Lord. What can I do? What should I do? I want to collaborate with God. It's called collabo. I want to collaborate with God. My father is working. And I want to walk. Thank you, Father. Go ahead. Talk to God. Talk to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory, Lord. As we honor you. We give you glory, Lord, as we honor you. You are wonderful. You are worthy, oh Lord. You are wonderful. 
more time. We give you glory, Lord, as we honor you. We give you glory, Lord, as we honor you. You are God gave me is if you have a prayer request whatever it is about anything something that by this time next year you want it to have been settled whatever your prayer request is I will give you five minutes you are going to pray then I will bless I will command I will decree and then you and I can expect. Amen? By your head, talk to God now. Including choir members, talk to God, talk to God, talk to God. Five minutes, pour out your heart. You know what the situation is? Is it financial? Is it relationship? Marital? Vocational? Is it your health? Is it your academics? Is it your social status in this country? Is it your school? Is it your career? Go ahead. Your career. Is it any of your children? Any of your children? Is it about anything that people are mocking you about? Is it about anything that you are worried about? Something you cannot sleep because of? It bothers you. Come on now. Talk to God. Are you bothered? Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Is it common to me or you that labor? and a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. We need rest. You have been fighting for too long. You need God to wipe your tears, remove your sorrows. You need God to change your story. Yes, to change your story. Yes, to change your story. Yes, to change your story. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, two more minutes here. Tell him, you have been struggling, you've been fighting, you've been having sleepless nights, aches, pain, sorrow, disappointment. Ask God for mercy.
Unto thee, O Lord, shall the fatherless look for mercy. Tell him your trust is in him. What man cannot do, what your father cannot do, what doctors and lawyers cannot do, what friends and associates cannot do, Go ahead. One more minute. Blessed be God's holy name forever. Above every day is the name of Jesus. Come on. Let him know that you will not come here again this time next year and still ask for the same thing. But you are going to give thanks. You are going to give him praise. Next year, during the Oikos conference, there shall be testimonies of the things you are committing to his hands now and what he has done about them. You want a business, you want something, you want help, you want support, you want nourishment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Father, I stand on the authority of the instructions you've given me to bless I stand in my position as a, as a father. I stand in my position as an apostle in the body of Christ. I stand in my position that where you have set me with the authority that you have given me concerning all the requests that your people here have made this morning. You know they are uprising. You know they are down sitting. You know their thoughts are far off. They have opened their mouth. They have expressed themselves. They have opened their mouth, they have poured out their hearts. Psalm 62, as they said, trust in the Lord at all times. Pour out your hearts before him. Our God is a refuge for us. They have said it the way it ought to be said. Father God, from heaven here, and bless them according to their heart desires in the name of Jesus. According to their petitions, Lord, intervene in their situations in the name of Jesus. According to that which they have tabled before you. Job 13, 22 says, call upon me, I will answer. Job 14, 15 says, call upon me, I will answer. Jeremiah 3, verse 3 says, call upon me and I will answer and I will show you. Great and mighty things that you don't know. Father, according to your word, answer and show them positive responses in the name of Jesus. Change their story in the name of Jesus. By your exceeding greatness, your word says in Jeremiah 32 27, Behold, 
And because of her flesh, is anything to her. Genesis 18, 14, you said, is anything too hard for me? And in Jeremiah 32, 17, he said, Ah, Lord God, that have made the heavens and the earth, nothing, nothing is too difficult. Oh, thou God, that has all the power, turn all these cases around positively in the name of Jesus. Let your divine greatness, your divine power prevail in all of these situations in the name of Jesus. Shut the door against Satan. Release your blessing upon your people in the name of Jesus. Let none of the words you have spoken concerning each and every one of these people drop to the ground Without it coming to pass. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I draw on the resources. Of your inestimable riches. I draw. On the resources. Of your riches in heavenly places. And I cry and call. Supply. Every need. Now. In the name of Jesus. Steal every storm. Restore hope. Restore joy. Restore gladness. Transform things for the better. And let them never be the same again. Lord God, hear and answer positively. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. It's settled. In Jesus' name.